0: Welcome to episode 217 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show works with organizations around the world to help them to improve their software processes. He provides training, coaching and mentoring in disciplined agile and lean strategies at both the project and organizational level. He is also the founder of the Agile Modeling and Agile Data Methods and co-founder of Disciplined Agile. So welcome to the podcast, Scott Ambler. Hi, thank you very much. I'm uh, happy to be here. So Scott, could you perhaps maybe expand on that introduction? It's quite brief. Could you give us a little bit of a flavor of uh, your career history and how you came into IT?
1: Sure. So I've been doing this IT stuff, uh, I guess, since the late 80s. I uh, I started um, at a, uh, a large reinsurance company and then worked for a, a large Canadian bank for a few years. And I uh, learned a lot of good stuff there. And then I went back to school. I, uh, I got my uh, master's in information science and became a consultant. So for a while, I was consulting on my own. Then I started working with a, a small boutique, uh, small talk and object-oriented consulting firm based out of Toronto. Uh, then I went back out on my own for a while, got involved with a few startups, um, you know, did the, uh, you know, the uh, com boom for a yeah. while there. And that was uh, a lot of fun. And um, while I was doing all that I was I became interested in process. I w- I've always been asking the question, you know, what works, why, you know, where do these techniques work, when don't they work, how do they all fit together? So I very quickly got interested in modeling and and in software process in general. And at the time I got involved with CMMI and you know CMM CMMI level stuff and then finally into Rationally Unified Process. And those are all fairly heavy depending on the way you did things. But at the time, I I decided that I you know I started realizing that you know particular CMM stuff wasn't working so well, and um, I started lightening things up, and that's how I got in, into the agile space. And then through the two thousands, uh, basically helped organizations figure out this agile stuff and apply agile in um, semi strange situations. Sometimes, um, usually at scale in enterprise class environments. So. Um, that's what I've been doing uh, for you know, almost 30 years, I guess. I've always run the numbers.
0: Yeah. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about um, your company as well, Disciplined Agile? So Disciplined Agile was actually
1: just recently purchased by uh, by PMI, the Project Management Institute. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's a, a whole new ballgame. You know, so PMI uh, purchased us for the Disciplined Agile IP and our expertise. So we'll be helping organizations... To understand uh, agile, how to do agile in enterprise class situations, and uh, leveraging uh, leveraging this IP and our knowledge to help uh, trainers and other organizations to help share the the you know the bounty that is disbanded agile uh, with other organizations.
0: Yeah, I mean, my only experience is that particularly large corporate companies definitely struggle to implement agile. I don't know whether that's typical from your own experience.
1: They do yeah um, it's always a bit of a struggle, I think for a few reasons. Um, first, it's hard. Um, you know agile you know new ways of working take time to learn and I think large organizations unfortunately have not uh, invested in their people over the years some have and some haven't but certainly um, they could do better. you know a lot of use of contractors and and consultants as well and you tend not to invest in in the people that don't work for you. So or at least don't work for you full time. So I think there's that. Um, There's also this issue of um, I think organizations underestimate the amount of effort it takes to um, become uh, healthy again and be and become more effective. And they're always looking for a quick and easy win. And there really isn't any. And this is a, a fundamental challenge is you have to understand that in order to improve, it's a multi year journey. And you improve in small steps, there's no big easy win. So if you, if you want to just you know cookie cutter in some existing process or framework, yes, people will try to help you do that, but no, it doesn't really work that well. And if you, you look at industry stats, it certainly the promise is not being fulfilled by these prescriptive methods and frameworks. So in Discipline Agile, we actually teach people how to improve and how to own your own process and how to, how to, how to choose your wow, to choose your way of working and to do so effectively, and, and we and we have to get get you know beyond this uh, you know this naive let's experiment and fail fast approach that a lot of agile coaches like to do, and rather you know why can't we leverage the learnings of other organizations? Why can't we? You know, we don't have to to reinvent the wheel, and because other organizations have figured these things out, so instead of failing fast, we prefer to say uh, we'd rather help you succeed early, and by leveraging the DA toolkit. Um, organizations can make better decisions, but you know better process decisions, and identify techniques and strategies that are more than likely that are more likely to work for them. So that way, when they do experiment with the technique, they have a greater chance of it actually succeeding. So as a result, they speed up their their improvement process. But having said all this, you still need some basic skills, some basic knowledge, and some you know basic you know basic mindset. You know, it takes time and takes time and effort to learn. So um, a lot of organizations don't want to take this time and effort, and, and, and you know, they're always looking for these easy wins. And as a result, it was very common to see um, large organizations be on their fourth or fifth agile transformation because the, the previous ones haven't stuck, yes. and <laughs> they're still making the same basic mistake of of trying to try to get it done quickly and you know try to go for these easy these easy strategies, and there simpler aren't any.
0: Yeah. So Scott, can you share with us um, a career tip? one that the audience may not know and perhaps should?
1: Always be trying to learn, always be reading and, and read widely. I, uh, I was at a conference a few weeks ago and somebody asked me, you know, how do you get better at business? How do, you have a, how, how do you have this gain, this wider understanding of the environments that you're in? And it's like, well, I read and I read widely. It's not just about IT stuff that I read. I'll read business magazines and uh, business websites and you know, non-business stuff as well. So I'm constantly consuming information, consuming ideas, and I think this is uh, this is absolutely critical. So you know, the absolute best advice I ever got, uh, years ago I worked for a, a large Canadian bank, I, I mentioned earlier, and the vice president that I worked for had this habit of once a quarter he would try to spend a half an hour with all the people under him which was great. So you could you know have a conversation and, and, and pick his brains. And the, the best advice I ever got um, was from him. And he, and it was exactly that. Read widely. And read often, read widely.
0: Okay. Um, and Scott, can you tell us about your worst IT career moments and what you learned from that experience?
1: Yeah. So only picking one is is hard. <laughs> but <laughs> I think the, um, probably the worst uh, project I was ever on which is strange because it was, it was a great team, but the project itself was a disaster. And we were trying to build a system and uh, you we know, were trying to help the, help the customer. And we had two fundamental challenges. It, w- it was actually the only, the only team I've ever been on where we failed for technical reasons. And we were being forced to use technology. Uh, so basically a salesperson was selling this company technologies. And then we were having to tr- try to make them work together. And like we had beta everything, and it, it was absolutely horrendous. And we were um, our biggest problem, one that really got me, was we were using database technology that couldn't store negative numbers. So that's a bit of a bug. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and 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 to be fair, you know, the vendor, you know flew some top notch people. You know it flew, flew them in, and they are trying to work it. But um, you know when, when you're when you run into a fundamental flaw like that. You know, t- it's time to give up on that technology, and you know, wait, wait for them to become uh, uh, real, basically. So, and then you know, and that, you know, the database didn't work, the app server didn't work, they didn't talk to each other. We were being forced to use all this reasonably bad technology, and then you know, when we tried to make it clear that you know there was no hope of us ever getting this done, the salesperson and you know, so we tested and we had you know pretty solid reasons why this wasn't going to work, um, the salesperson response was, well, we'll just fake the test data and we will detect the test results and we'll make it look as if it's working even though it's not. And that was it for me. And you know, I, I walked off. But um, it was absolutely, truly unfortunate um, what had happened there. And they went for mo- you know many more months after I left and then eventually they, they all crashed and burned and it was a, a complete disaster.
0: Yeah. Did, did you learn anything in terms of taking away some knowledge that you can apply later on to other experience or other projects. That's
1: a great question. So um, the answer is yes. So it taught me the importance of testing early and proving the architecture with working code. So one of the fundamentals of the Rational Unified Process, which you know everybody likes to beat up on, but was that you know you prove the architecture early in the life cycle with working code, not just you know bubbles connected by lines. And that greatly reduces risk. And this is something we we baked into uh, a delivery as well. But, um, and, you know, kept lightweight, of course. But we, it was absolutely critical. And and if we we should have, in hindsight, on that project, we should have um, been testing these technologies uh, on their own to begin with. And, you know, doing spikes, basically, and showing right away, this is, you know, these things had serious problems. Um, As well, we should have also been um, doing a, you know, what you would call a, you know, I guess a steel wire, or a, uh, you know, shoot a bullet through and um, do a, a vertical slice of the overall system right away to show that these um, things didn't integrate either. But, you know,
0: live and learn. Yeah, indeed. Okay. So moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success?
1: I've been involved with several systems where we've released um, things into the into the marketplace that uh, did quite well. It's, it's really satisfying to see your software up and running. You know, you're going down the street and suddenly you can say, "Hey, I worked on that." So I think that there's that. But I, I would, I think I would tie it back though, not to the systems though, but more to the teams that the, the people that I worked with. I've made friends over the years with people all all over the world, and I think the best teams are the ones that. In retrospect, they're the ones that you make good friends with, and you know the you know the team that plays together stays together type of thing. But I think it's also interesting that if you're still playing together, you know, long after the team has moved on to other things, then I think that's a a, a pretty clear sign that it's gone very well. I think certainly I've been on several teams where that's been the case. So I think it's it really is a people you know, the people that you work with and the, the friendships that you make or the, the things I look for. Uh, that's what you remember, right? You know, I, I, it gets interesting. Like these questions are interesting for me because, you know, over 30 years, you know, what do I actually remember? And, uh, you know, the, the question is, is that I, I, re, I mostly remember the people, you know, not the code, not the, you know, architectural decisions, things like that.
0: Sure. And, and are there people you've worked with repeatedly as a result of building up good working
1: Yeah, Definitely and it's interesting because the you know once you start building these relationships up with people yes you keep coming back you you work with the people that you know you work with the people that you respect and why wouldn't you want to work with them again you know you had a good experience before yeah
0: so scott what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT
1: well it's always changing i think there there's that but the exciting thing is you get to you get to work on, on new and interesting things constantly and solve interesting problems. And uh, I love working in new domains, you know, whenever I get to engage with an organization, you know, on the outside, it, it always seems easy. Like, you know, banking seems easy, you know, grocery chains seem easy. And on the, on the outside, they are right. Like, you know, in the grocery business, really, how hard is it to get a banana onto a shelf and then sell you a banana? <laughs> yeah. um, how hard could that possibly be? Um, quite difficult actually, um, you know, to do that at scale. So it's interesting, you know, whenever I engage with these organizations, that the things that I learn, and the things that I get to do, and, and these problems I get to solve, because, you know, getting, banana, well, getting bananas on the shelf is reasonably straightforward. But getting pharmaceuticals on the shelf safely is quite challenging sometimes. So um, it's one of the reasons why we, we see, you know, certain countries um, have problems with uh, certain diseases that have been solved elsewhere. And it's not because they can't, address that disease in that country it's they don't have the refrigeration they don't have the transportation to get the medicine to the people in time very interesting problems but anyway so that's just a uh, interesting segue i guess but um yeah it's the it, there's always some weird things in every domain um, so it's, it's very exciting that way we're
0: going to go into the reveal round now we're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think are you ready for this sure
1: maybe not but <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll see <laughs> So what first attracted you to a career in IT?
1: I sort of stumbled into it, actually. Uh, in uh, high school, I was always good at programming, and I, I really enjoyed programming. But when I went to university, I had no clue what I wanted to do. And luckily, I took a computer science course because I, uh, I liked programming. And uh, then, I, then I discovered when I was in school that uh, you can actually make a career out of this IT thing. So, um, yeah, it was sort of uh, just happen chance.
0: The next question you partly answered earlier, I think, but uh, what is the best career advice you've ever received?
1: It was definitely to to read often, you know, read widely and often, yeah, without a doubt.
0: And, well, Converse seemed possibly more difficult to answer. What is the worst career advice you've ever received?
1: I think to focus on one technology. I think, uh, you know, I've had people over the years tell me, you know, technology X is really awesome and you should... You you should focus on this and and sure your know, technology is X is really awesome for about a year and a half <laughs> and yes. then uh, and then it dies out or gets replaced or whatever so yeah I th- I think the you know stick with it um, you know you know focus on a single technology or a single language is is probably phenomenally bad advice yeah you know, g- good advice to get started I guess but certainly not good advice to keep going.
0: If you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do?
1: What would I do? I, I'd probably take the same sort of path. I guess I'd start out as a as a programmer, but I would I would really try to get my technical game up, get good at modeling, get good at architecture. So I'd I'd want to have a I would want to find it. Yeah, if I had to start again, I think I would find a job where I was part of a team where we had to maintain and evolve an existing s- system like you know something that was still like a mission critical thing um, but had it been around for a while and had it been worked on by many many people and that would give me the experience i would need to understand you know the true uh, challenges around legacy systems and around maintaining and operating your own system things like that i've always distinguished between developers who uh, only do new new you know, net new development. Um, those are the novice people. Though, you know, they, they they often are phenomenally arrogant, and I think it's because they they know so little that you know they're arrogant. Um, you know, Dunning Kruger effect on that one. But um, <laughs> the people that you know, the, the, the only the only programmers I respect are the ones who've had to maintain somebody else's code and who have had to operate systems in production um, and have been actively involved in supporting supporting and operating their own systems. The programmers who haven't done that really don't know the implications of what they're doing yet.
0: And what career objectives are you currently focusing on?
1: Actually, I, I'm now in a position where I get paid to learn. And, uh, and I, frankly, I've been in that position for a long time. But uh, it, it, it's always good to continue on. But, yeah, I, uh, you know, my, my career aspirations are to learn more and more about the way things work and answer basic questions like, you know, what works and what doesn't work and why and to what extent would you do something and to what extent wouldn't you do something? So um, I find that fascinating.
0: And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Um,
1: I would have to say writing. You know, my ability to write, which I really had to work on. I was a very poor writer up until uh, probably I was doing my masters, and uh, I was lucky enough to have a prof that sort of forced the issue and helped me up my game. And but then you know I've been working on it ever since. But um, being able to communicate. And particularly written, even even today, written word is still absolutely critical. And uh, you know, if you can't do that, I think your your career moves are limited if you if you don't communicate well.
0: Yeah. So, what what form does your writing take? What do you do?
1: Yeah, good question. I, I typically just write. I blog and I write books. Um, I'm trying to, to blog more than I than I write books, but uh, uh, books tend to eventually come come at some point. But yeah, it's all all written stuff. I used to write magazine uh, columns, but, you know, the magazines have all sort of died off. Yes. And, um, I blog in spurts, I guess.
0: And what do you do to keep your own career energized? I look for to focus on
1: things that I, I don't have a lot of experience in. So I, I, I'm always asking my, myself the question, you know, what do I really know about that topic? And if it's a topic I, I might know a little bit about, but, you know, I, I know enough about it to know that I don't, I don't know much about it. Um, then I tend to tend to try to jump in on that because you know it's that's going to be a good opportunity to learn something new.
0: Yes, and possibly the most important question: What do you do w- away from technology in your spare time? Oh, um,
1: I'm I'm big into cycling. Uh, you know, I love cycling. Starting to get into kayaking as well. But um, for a weird thing, I um, I collect Atari 8-bit computer, <laughs> right. um, computers and equipment and uh, software. And I'm, I'm slowly putting together a, a reasonably large collection of the old you know computers from the late 70s and early 80s. Wow. Um, all, yeah, I, I actually recently obtained, I'm very happy with this, I recently obtained a 300 baud modem. Um, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with that amazing <laughs> amount of yeah, but uh, I, I intend to get that uh, up and running in the next few weeks. Sure.
0: I, I think I've got an Atari 800 somewhere in my loft. So, uh, oh, good yeah, for you. <laughs> and a few eight big games to go with it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Scott, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career Energizer audience?
1: Always expand your skills and always try to, you know, always try to learn, learn new techniques from, from different people. And always question what you do. So I was the originator of the the generalizing specialist concept uh, many, many, almost 20 years ago now, I guess. Um, So I always recommend people become a generalizing specialist, have a, you have one or more specialties, you know, things you're very good at Um, that way you're, you know, you're useful, Um, but also have a a general knowledge of at least the the software process that you're involved with and, and hopefully the business domain that you're currently working in and always be willing to pick up new skills and work with others. Um, I think that's the, you know, so, so become a generalizing specialist, get out of, you know, um, you end up being able to communicate better and collaborate better. And it's, it's much more enjoyable having, um, many opportunities to learn more. Yes. So that's what I would say.
0: And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Um, I'm easy to
1: find on, uh, on Google. But uh, right now, probably the best site to find my more recent writings is disciplinedagiledelivery.com. That site, uh, or, or just disciplinedagile with a hyphen in there, um, .com are probably the two best opportunities. But like I said, just do a quick Google of me and you'll, you'll find more about me than you probably want to know.
0: Great. Okay. Scott, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. All right. Thanks, Phil. It's been uh, great. I hope uh, people find this interesting. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's episode and to my guest's career tips, advice and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com e and then the number of today's episode. And a quick reminder that the show has now three episodes every week on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show To get new episodes automatically downloaded. Also, don't forget to join the IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. You'll get to engage with other like minded people, get to find out more about upcoming guests and other episodes, and can get involved in the future direction of the podcast. It really is a great pleasure to be able to talk to so many inspirational people from across the industry and to be able to share their stories and advice with you. Thanks for listening to Thanks the IT listening. Career remember, Energizer podcast. To career, find out more about building a career. successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.